With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Big Smash Cricket Podcast, powered by Rebel. The show all about the Big Bash and the women's Big Bash. I'm Paul Dennett, and I'm joined by Andrew Menzel. Menas, there's lots of momentum building. The tournament begins on Tuesday. Are you starting to regret predicting that the Thunder won't win a single game? Oh, Paul, thank you very much. Uh, regret's not my overriding emotion. I'm sticking to my prediction that the Thunder will really struggle this tournament, especially with a drug ban hanging over the head of Andre Russell. That one of their star players could be plucked mid-tournament. So I think the, the Thunder will really struggle. But generally, Paul, I'm very buoyant and upbeat. We're on the eve of the exciting Big Bash starting. I cannot wait. I think we've got a really nice show today. We've got, we're going to cover off some of the basics of the tournament, if you didn't already know them. We're going to look at some social media power, and the, the, one of the reasons that the Big Bash has been such a huge success, it's an absolute juggernaut on Facebook. We're going to talk about the crowds, as we always do, a few improvements that we could suggest for future tournaments. There's the WBBL BBL to talk about. We're going to preview the Sixers and the Strikers. We're going to make some predictions. It's a massive show, but to begin with, um, some headlines in the BBL. Mitchell Johnson, Menas, is no certainty to start the first game because it seems like he's not ready. What's the story there? Well, Paul, I just cannot understand this. He's retired. He's, he has had nothing else to prepare for but the beginning of this tournament. He's been doing book signings. He's been kept busy. And somehow he hasn't managed to fit in gym work, bowling and batting. And he could be missing from the Scorchers uh, beginning of the tournament. I think it's ridiculous. He should be much more professional than this. Now, Owen Morgan's been named captain of the Thunder while Watto's injured. Is that a good decision? It is a good decision. Obviously, has a lot of experience leading England in the one-day format. Brings a cool head to some what will be some tough times, I think, for the Thunder. And in signs of the growing popularity of the Big Bash, there's going to be some games broadcast in Hindi. Yeah, the, the Cricket Australia app is actually going to put uh, Hindi commentary available for many of the BBL and WBBL matches, which is a great thing for all the Indian fans that love listening to the tournament and just shows how this Big Bash is really growing and that opens up, you know what, another billion or two people that could tune in. Yeah, it's magnificent. We're going to talk about that later in the show, how we'd love to see in the future some Indian players appearing in the the Big Bash, but we'll get to that. 
to begin with, just covering off the basics of the of the tournament, if you if you were overseas or if you weren't aware of them, there are eight teams in the Big Bash. Every team plays each other once, and then there's one extra game that they play, which is um, a clever innovation. In the first season, every team just played each other once, and they realised by adding in another game with your rival, they would get an extra Sydney derby and an extra Melbourne derby, and we saw last season with 81,000 turning up to the Melbourne derby, what a great idea that is. The WBBL Menas is a much more uh, pure competition. They play each other twice. I like that. They tend, what they're doing now with the WBBL this year is they're usually playing those games back-to-back. So we saw, say, the Sixers play the Melbourne Stars twice over the weekend, and it just they're sort of playing the games as a series, which I really like. And I think perhaps if they could expand the WBBL, making it a best-of-three match series against each team and making it a 21-match competition would add further depth to the competition where you had a series against one team, best-of-three matches. And I think if the BBL one day could expand so that every team played each other twice, that would be good for the tournament as well, although it might be difficult from a logistical point of view. Then in both tournaments, the top four go through to the semis. One plays four, two plays three. The winners play off in the final, and there you have it. Now, I mentioned that you play your rival twice in the BBL. Obviously, that's the Sydney Derby and the Melbourne Derby. But there's been a change this year with the remaining fixtures. Up until now, it's always been Adelaide play Perth, which is a you know not not so much a local derby but a logical rivalry. They are neighbours. They are neighbours separated by the Nullarbor Plain, and Brisbane have played Hobart, which have kind of been like the odds and ends have been left over, and that's what's been um, the supposed derby. But for this year, that's been broken up, and instead we're going to have the Heat playing the Scorchers and the Strikers playing the Hurricanes. And I love this. I love the idea that the the Brisbane Heat and the Perth Scorchers are playing in what you could describe as a local derby separated by 3,606 kilometres. <laughs> that is some sort of derby menace. I don't think you'll be many, having many fans make that trip, will, will they, for that game? That'd be a long bus trip. Well, for comparison, for those of you who um, aren't from Australia, London to Moscow is 1,100 kilometres less than Brisbane to Perth. All right, a couple of other little um, quirky points. Here's one that you can upstage the nodals. A couple of times in recent months, there's been an interesting development in test cricket where a player has seemingly been caught and ready to walk off. The umpires have reviewed it to the confusion of the fielding side, and it's been given not out because it's turned out that in juggling the catch, the fielder has hit it into his, uh, his protective helmet. And in test cricket... This so you're is, talking about like short leg or yeah, something? exactly. Ball knocks into their helmet, goes up in the air, catches it. Yeah, it wasn't even as blatant as that. It's one of these ones where it just happened to brush their, the chin guard or something like that, and it was given not out. So if this happens in the BBL, and the know-it-all next to you says, oh, that shouldn't be out, that shouldn't be out, you can upstage them, because Cricket Australia have changed the law for the BBL, where even if it hits your helmet, you can still be out. So the keeper, if he's wearing a helmet it, and it like he misses a catch, say Matty Wade's keeping for argument's sake, and he misses a catch and it hits him on the helmet and goes straight up in the air, you can catch it off his helmet. Yeah, exactly. But you won't get too many short legs in the big bash, but you, I guess a lot of keepers wear helmets where that could happen the most. You could fashion a helmet into the size of a sombrero. And well, so- Matty Wade might need to do that. <laughs> now, on the more slightly more serious note, for the first time ever, they're going to have a concussion substitute available in the big bash. Cricket Australia wanted this to be all levels of the world, but the ICC, because they're a bit backward, said no. Um, so if a player is concussed, the side can actually elect to have him not continue and replace him with a like player. So a batsman can actually uh, f- come from the substitute bench and bat. And I think this is a very good innovation. That's a great idea. And we've, we've spoken about how in Sheffield Shield cricket, this 
puts the teams at a disadvantage where you can't sub players in. And you wouldn't want in, say, a big bash semi-final, someone getting struck in the head and trying to play on because they, they don't want to leave their team short of a player. So this is a great innovation from Cricket Australia. And we actually saw it in Test Cricket a few years ago when Justin Langer had been badly concussed. Australia needed just a few runs to win. One more wicket would have meant, meant that Langer either had to bat or Australia had to lose the game. Doctors had said he must not bat. Langer had said, well, to hell with you, I'm patting up and I'm batting. And Ricky Ponding, I think, had deputised five players to hold him back so that he couldn't bat in order to you know, save, you know, protect his uh, skull. So that shouldn't have to happen, and it now no longer does in the Big Bash. Okay, we're going to have a word from Rebel now, our sponsors, and then when, we're going to, when we come back, we're going to talk about crowd sizes and Facebook power. There's something for everyone this Christmas at Rebel with 30% off all trampolines and 30% off all table tennis tables. Give the perfect gift every time with a Rebel gift card. Rebel Christmas HQ. Shop in-store and online today. Welcome back to the Big Smash podcast. Now, men, it's well documented how uh, wonderful the crowds were last season in the Big Bash, but I just wanted to look at them in a slightly different way. Uh, if you just look at the pure numbers, Adelaide Strikers with an average crowd of 42,000 and Melbourne Stars 41,000 were the, the, the standout successes of last season, whereas the Hurricanes 17,000 and the Thunder 19,000, not so good. But when you look at the Hurricanes, Hobart has a population of only 221,000. So on average, one person in 13 in the city of Hobart is turning up to their games. That is pretty special. That's an amazing t- statistic. And that's what you get in those small communities that they can really identify and get behind their team. And that's an amazing stat. And at the other end of the scale, Sydney Thunder last season, um, if, you, if you halve Sydney's population because of their two teams, you can say that only one in 127 people were turning up to the Sydney Thunder games. But still, compare that to a few years ago in 2012, one in 239 were turning up. So they're definitely trending in the right direction. Perth Scorchers, one in 101 turning up. I can't wait to see what happens with their new stadium. They are going to surge through that once they've got a 60,000-seat stadium. I agree. And I wonder, though, if it'll have the same sort of a feeling that the furnace has, the whacker. You know, they've really made the furnace a, a cauldron where they dominate. I wonder if they can transfer that to the bigger stadium. Agree. It's going to be interesting. I think... The first game, definitely, but will they be able to consistently get close to 60,000? That'll be interesting. Now let's move on to social media. The world's biggest source of news is Facebook. Some people say it decided the United States election. I thought, let's have a look at how big the the Big Bash teams are on Facebook, because I've always thought they've got a pretty good social media presence. If you take all the professional big sporting codes in Australia and you do a list of the top 12 in terms of Facebook presence, Sydney Sixers have 877,000 Facebook followers. That is the most of all the the sporting codes in this country. Brisbane Broncos in the NRL number two. Then Sydney Thunder, Brisbane Heat, Melbourne Stars. Then two more NRL teams, Melbourne Storm and and South Sydney. Then Melbourne Renegades, Perth Scorchers, Hobart Hurricanes, Adelaide Strikers 11th, and then Collingwood in the AFL is 12th. So the BBL teams are absolutely smashing it out of the park. I think this is, um, is incredible in such a short space of time. And the Big Bash hits the sweet spot of people that are on social media. It's aimed at the younger tech-savvy market that have grown up using Facebook and probably trendier forms of social media. And I think that the Sixers and all the Big, big Bash clubs have capitalised on that. And again, mentioning Hobart, they have 357,000 Facebook followers, which is 
considerably more than the population of Hobart, which I think must be the Kumar Sangakkara factor. Or just players, people like you and me wanting to keep up with what's going on with the cane train. We've got a few suggestions for improvements now, not for this big bash, but in, in going forward into the future. And one of the ones that I'd like to see, if Kumar Sangakkara from Sri Lanka has had a big impact on the, on the Hobart Hurricanes, what would it be if we could get some Indian players playing in the in the BBL? Surely that's what we must be aiming for. It would be a miracle. That's what it would be, Paul. For the BCCI to let the players come out here would be incredible. Uh, can you imagine the power of a Virat Kohli fronting up for the Sixers one tournament? It would just bring attention to the Big Bash like we we can't can't imagine. And it would be in the BCCI's interests to consider that because I don't think it would detract from the IPL. But even if it wasn't Virat Kohli, surely they could be a, we could get some of the, you know, Yuvraj Singh or Harbhajan Singh, some of the sort of players no longer featuring at the international level to come out here. I think it'd be something that the Cricket Australia should try to negotiate with the BCCI and see what, what success they have. Menace, next question. Should there be DRS in the BBL? Look, I've thought long and hard about this question, Paul, because one of the things that is attractive about T20 cricket is it has a certain pace to it. Uh, you know, wicket gets out and all of a sudden the next batsman's out there, so there's no sort of lag time. You don't have the, the delays that you see in test cricket with DRS referrals. But then on the other other side of things, this is the second biggest T20 competition in the world. If you get to a semi-final or a final, you don't want it to be decided on a, a poor umpiring decision. So say someone like Brendan McCullum comes out to bat and he gets a dodgy LBW, then you're not only robbing the team, you're robbing, robbing the crowd. So perhaps DRS is needed for these major T20 tournaments. I think it definitely is. And I your, your point around that we don't want the game to slow down is a good one. But I'd say on the opposite side of that, if I've got the cricket on and I'm not really watching it all that much, which is rare for me because I'm so into it, the minute there is a DRS referral, that's the time I will definitely be watching. I think it's the most... Yeah, but you're a strange cat. <laughs> we, we, we've established that long ago. I find it one of the more compulsive viewing sections when you're looking at that Hawkeye to see whether or not it's going to be hitting the no, stumps. I agree. There's a suspense to it, isn't there? Yeah. And, I mean, you give them one. And so they've then got to realise, okay, we, we can't use it frivolously and... Uh, if they use it frivolously, well, it'll be gone and it won't, won't delay things too much. Should we take the lead of some other sports and say, in selected instances, allow the camera and audio into the dressing rooms during the innings break to hear what the coach has to say? I absolutely hate this idea, Paul. I have never been a fan in any sport of dressing room cameras. I think I don't want to see a bunch of men walk around in their jock straps, nor do I want to... He- I don't think you want the public to hear what the coach says to the players. I think that should be kept within the confines of the team. So I don't like it. I think it's overplayed. I don't want to see them getting changed or getting dressed. Let them come out on the field and dazzle us with their fine cricket. Look, yeah, obviously we're not going to show them getting dressed. And I agree. I have absolutely no interest in this, but I think they should do it. Um, because I think in the same way that for you and me, Menas, there are plenty of things like dancing in between the overs. We're not going to be getting up and dancing between the overs, but... A lot of people do, and a lot of people like it. I think this is the sort of thing that could bring casual fans closer to the action. It leaves me cold, but I think it's something they should consider. Look, if it brings people into the game, it's a good thing. But as I said, it's, I don't think it's ever great viewing. All right, last potential innovation. I really like this one. It's something straight from the IPL. When I've been looking at it, there's all this talk about purple and orange caps. And I was thinking, what, what, what's that mean? And basically, whoever scores the most runs in the in each IPL gets the orange cap. Well, whoever's the leading run scorer at the time gets exactly. to wear it. Exactly. And purple cap for most wickets. And so 
during the tournament, you're in the field, you wear that cap. Just like I love the- this idea. What a great idea. And I, when I've watched the IPL, there is some sort of, uh, you know, uh, what should I say? If you get to wear the cap, you feel more important. It, it adds to the whole tournament. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, and just like... It, what it, colour, though, for the Aussie? Well, the Aussies, you'd have to have um, green and gold, I suppose. Um, a good plan. Yeah. And it's just like the, 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 the Tour de France, where you wear the... We have a dunce's cap for the lowest run scorer or the lowest strike rate. And the beautiful you, thing about that is at the start of the tournament, everyone has to wear it because they're all equal last. All poms coming over start with a dunce's cap. <laughs> All right, now, time for previews. Um, we're going to preview the Sydney Sixers and the Adelaide Strikers, but before we do that, let's have a word from our sponsor. There's something for everyone this Christmas at Rebel with 30% off all bodyboards and surfboards and 30% off all pool inflatables. Give the perfect gift every time with a Rebel gift card. Rebel Christmas HQ. Shop in-store and online today. Welcome back to the Big Smash Cricket Podcast, and now we're going to preview... The Sydney Sixers, the glamour side of the competition, the side that won it in its first year, came last, last season. Menas, what's going to happen this season? Look, I've been studying the Sydney Sixers very closely, and I think they're a real tough team to pick this tournament because on paper, with the imports of Jason Roy and Sam Billings, mixed with some of the old heads that have played a lot of T20 cricket for the Sixers, they have the potential to trouble some of the best sides, but also, you look at the squad and you just wonder whether it's going to have the star power to really get them over the line. Jason Roy is a huge signing. He's got 495 runs in the England version of the, of the Big Bash at a strike rate of 164 in the tournament just gone by, including he's got 120 not out of 62 at one point, um, in big partnership with Aaron Finch, actually. Uh, if you look at that on YouTube, there's a shot that he plays that's incredible. He went to go for a ramp or a dill scoop. Turned out the ball was wide outside off stump. And he somehow ramped it over where third slip would have been, off the middle of the bat for four. He's going to be a great addition to the tournament, I think. Yeah, another thing that's interesting about the Sixers squad is they have three keeper batsmen. So they've got their wicket-keeping options covered. Sam Billings is a keeper, Brad Haddon, and then you've got Ryan Carter's. Sam Billings spends a lot of time in the field when he's played for England and can play as a specialist batsman. He's noted for just being a really clean striker of the ball, isn't he, Paul? He is, although his um, his record isn't hasn't been all that great of late. He's, he didn't he didn't set the the T Twenty blast alight. I, I I favour Haddon um, for for sentimental reasons, and also I think he's still an excellent player. Uh, he, he scored scored his runs at a strike rate of 151 in last BBL. And just having read his book, if you haven't read his book, it, it is one of the best sports autobiographies or of any autobiographies you'll ever read, confronting with um, with the challenges that uh, his family has has faced. And I think that um, you read that book and you will instantly become uh, a huge supporter of Brad Haddon. I hope he has a, another wonderful season. Well, I wonder why he might be over the hill. And he was looking pretty bad at international level when he left. Last year for the Sixers, he'd, he'd get off to a, a quick start, but then he never really went on with it. So I just wonder whether this is going to be one big bash too many for him. And another player, Doug Bollinger, he's 35. He's someone that's done so well for the Sixers, but can he keep up, not just with the ball, but in the field? Now, from the spin bowling point of view, in Stephen O'Keefe, Johan Botha and Nathan Lyon, uh, three men who are in the top 15 for economy rates in the history of the BBL. Can okay. I axe Bota now? I've got an axe to grind with Aussie, Aussie Johan. Oh, I just think he is the most overrated T20 cricketer going around. And honestly, I don't even know why the Sixers are still, still persisting with him. Well, he's got the 11th best economy rate in the history of the BBL. 7.08 runs per over. 
And as I alluded to, he has now become an Australian citizen. He wants to try to qualify to play for the Australian national T20 side. So you'll be cheering. That's the dream that he will never achieve. (laughs) Uh, I think Stephen O'Keefe's a huge. It's it's a huge tournament for him. He's um I think he's at the the crossroads of his career. Good crossroads. Have a big BBL. Keep injury free. He could go to India and be in the Test side, and the sky's the limit. Um, I'm really excited about what he's going to do. Yeah, he's a great limited overs bowler. And another one that's going to come back from the test side, we're going to hear a lot of nice Garys, I would think, after the box, the Sydney test when Nathan Lyon and O'Keefe are the spin bowling team for New South Wales. And ironically, Nathan Lyon has done really well with the white ball for New South Wales. So I think he could be a real dark horse to come in and really dominate the end of the Big Bash. I agree. And for listeners of the Australian Cricket Podcast, I'm occasionally slightly critical of Nathan Lyon as a test bowler. Understatement. <laughs> um, but I, I, I do rate him um, pretty well as a, as a T20 bowler. And I think that spin is the way it's going. So they've got some very good spin options. Uh, having said all that, my prediction is probably mid-table. They're kind of, I think they're going to be fringe semi-finalists. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. If, if their imports really take to this competition and can dominate, then I think the Sixers can challenge for the title. But I think it's, it's going to be a tough one for them. They're looking at some of their players to really step up. Okay, now let's move on to the Adelaide Strikers, the team that finished first and first in the last two seasons in the regular rounds and then bang, bang, lost their two first semifinals. Um, what's in store for them this year, Manners? Well, Paul, I'm confused. Very, very, very confused. Yesterday, I heard Mark Howard talking about his predictions for the Big Bash, and he rated the strikers as his favourite for the tournament. And I've looked over this squad. I've looked at the names. I can't see where Mark Howard's prediction has come from, that this strikers should challenge for the title. I, in fact, think this striker squad is not as good as the squad last year, and I think they could really struggle. I tend to agree. There's a few losses that Adelaide have to cope with. Firstly, they're going to have Travis Head missing for a great deal of the tournament, and he was magnificent for them last year. But Adil Rashid, I think, is a huge loss. Uh, He took uh, 16 wickets in the tournament last season, only went at six and a half runs per over, and when he went out to bat, scored his runs at a strike rate of 179. Uh, Huge loss for me. What do you think? Yeah, I think Rashid's obviously a big loss. And then you've got other players like Kieran Pollard, Kane Richardson, Craig Simmons. They're the sort of players that are going to have to stand up if this striker side is going to do anything because I think relying on someone like Brad Hodge, who's 50-plus, having another good tournament is a, a bit of a dream. Yeah, and I don't even know if he did have that good a tournament last season. He averaged 49. His strike rate of 128. I think that the time has almost passed by to talk about building an innings around a certain player. I think that these days you've got to be able to really go hard from from both ends right from the start. Also, Jake Lehman, someone that we saw come into the tournament last year, uh, he's just really taken leaps and bounds since the Big Bash last season. If he can dominate, then maybe he can carry the strikers to the semifinals, but I don't know. I've got my doubts about this squad. i got huge raps on Jake Lehman. Um, his dad was should have played a lot more international cricket than he did. For some reason, Jake seems to be going down that same path. I think he should already be in uh, test contention. I think he's that good. And another one that's um, from a, a family relations point of view, we've got Wes Agar, the 19-year-old brother of Ashton Agar, um, who's going to be playing in this. He's actually a fast bowler. He's 193 centimetres, and he, he looks really good. I've seen him um, 
uh, in the face, he looks like Mitchell Johnson, which is confusing. But he's a right-arm quick bowler. His action looks nice and pure. Um, I think he could be one to watch, Menace. A lot of people compare young Agar, as I'm calling him, to Nathan coulton He seems to have mirrored NCN's action. And again, an exciting young prospect to keep an eye on. Another big signing from overseas is Chris Jordan from England. Another quick bowler. And I must say, I don't think this is the greatest signing. Um, he's got an average in first-class cricket of... 32. And I know it's all about economy rates in the BBL, but I still think that your first class average is a pretty good barometer of what kind of bowler you are. 32 on the green English wickets. I think that they could probably do better than him. What do you think? I think they could do better than Chris Jordan. I think he's one that's going to be a bit of a passenger, so to speak. Just talking of passengers, I just want to... um, The fact checkers were out after the last show, weren't they, Paul? Guy Walker, who we predicted to be a star for the Big Bash, has not been retained for this tournament. So... Guy Walker's nobody now. Injury. Injury got in the way. Um, Injury got in the way of Guy Walker's big bash success. The last thing on the the strikers is they seem to have an absence of spin bowling. That um, They've got John Holland, who's currently injured and went for 9.3 last big bash. Not the greatest of of options. The other teams that are are highly favoured all seem to have a nice little um, uh, spin bowling arsenal. I think that's a bit of of a gap here. Yeah, and look, that's why I'm putting the strikers right down the bottom here with the Thunder. The Thunder and the strikers are my two weakest squads. Yep, I kind of agree with you on the strikers, although I think the Thunder are better than that. Now, on to the WBBL and the table. Menas, the the Melbourne Stars and the Hobart Hurricanes are currently on six points, leading the competition. Are they the teams that will meet in the final? It's too early to tell with so many games left. What has been uh, interesting for me was the Sixers' performance over the weekend, losing both games to the Melbourne Stars. Obviously, the Sydney-Melbourne rivalry is very strong, and the Stars managed to dust up the Sydney Sixers very easily. And I just wonder how Elise Perry, the captain of the Sixers, can cope with all the pressure on her to open the batting, bowl, and captain the side. It's It's a big burden for her to carry. Certainly is. Now, um, in terms of burdens, let's burden ourselves with some predictions for the BBL. Um, firstly, who's going to win the tournament? Well, Paul, I think the Melbourne Renegades have the strongest squad for me. And I think what goes with the Melbourne Renegades, why I'm picking them, is the fact that a lot of their players won't be taken for international duty, which gives them an advantage over their opposition. But the Smoky, the one that could fly under the radar, is the Hobart Hurricanes. I agree with you on the Renegades. They're going to be my prediction to win the tournament as well. Who is going to uh, be the flop of the tournament? doesn't have to come last, but someone that's going to greatly underperform. My tip, Adelaide Strikers. Well, I've got a few flops for this tournament. I think Stuart Broad is going to be a flop. <laughs> and, and I'm not just saying that. I don't know. He's, he's going to come back from what, eight consecutive tests on the subcontinent. There's going to be no juice left in his tank for the, this big bash. So I think it's going to be really tough for him. I've said the Sydney Thunder. I think they'll be a flop this tournament. Defending champs barely win a game. And finally, I think my marriage could be a flop after this uh, big bash season, Paul, because the amount of cricket I'm going to be watching over the next six weeks, I don't know, I could be sleeping on your couch by the end of the summer. (laughs) Well, Boxing Day is always a highlight. That um, In the past, it was always seven hours of of test cricket. You add to that three or four hours of the big bash now, it's uh, it's quite a full calendar. I made a, a really big mistake when I got married. My wife's birthday is falls during the Boxing Day test every year. So there's always one day where our interests never meet up. <laughs> All right. My prediction um, now in terms of uh, batsmen, who, which batsman will dominate the tournament? My prediction is Jake Lemon. 
good pick. He is someone to watch. I'm going for Chris Lynn. Just a, a bit of Lynn sanity. I've been waiting to get that in the podcast. Will we see some Lynn sanity? Yes, we will. A great, great prediction. Um, he would have. He would have been my other one as well. Bowler to dominate. I'm saying Narine. I've got an outsider here. One of my domestic favourites is young Sam Rainbird, left arm quick who plays for the Hurricanes. He's got a lot of mojo about him. I like the cut of his jib, so to speak. So I think Sam Rainbird, watch out for him. Well, that's it for the show today. I hope you enjoyed it. Menas, looking forward to the first game? I cannot wait. And this is really where the journey starts for our listeners, Paul, because we're going to be able to take the listeners inside the tournament. We're going to be at the games as official media representatives of this podcast. And I just can't wait to take the listeners through the big bash into all the ins and outs of the tournament. I'm really excited. It's going to be a great six weeks. There's something for everyone this Christmas at Rebel. Rebel Active members buy one, get one half price across the massive clothing range from Nike, Adidas, Under Armour and more. That's buy one, get one half price for Rebel Active members only. Offer ends Christmas Eve. In-store only. Terms, conditions and exclusions apply. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.